Welcome to A Brief Chat. I'm Jason Crane. This is episode 210 for October 22nd, 2021. On today's show, Haley Deutsch and I talk about the greatness of greyhounds. If you'd like to support this show, go to patreon.com slash vanarchism. It's the word anarchism with a V at the beginning. You'll get early access to every episode of A Brief Chat, a monthly bonus show, plus travel essays and photos and videos from my Vanarchism project, which chronicles my van travels across the U.S. Again, that's patreon.com slash vanarchism. Thanks. As you're listening to this, I have returned to full-time life on the road. If you're listening to this on Friday, the day it comes out, I am wending my way down from Vermont to Washington, D.C. to see my older son, who goes to college there. And then I'm going to see some other folks and do some interviews in the kind of D.C., Maryland area, and then heading up to central Pennsylvania to see my other son. And then I have a few things coming up in the months ahead uh, between now and Christmas, essentially, after which I think I'll be heading west, but all of that is still very much up in the air. In any case, as I'm recording this a few days before my departure, I am super excited to be getting back on the road, and I hope to see some of you out there. By the way, if you do have an idea for an interview, uh, including with yourself, I'd be happy to come your way, so just let me know. Send an email to jason at abriefchat.com. And now, let's all learn together about a fabulous breed of dog. Haley Deutsch, welcome to A Brief Chat. Thanks for having me. Happy to be here. I started this show because I wanted to be able to talk to anybody about anything. And uh, th- this show might be the, this episode of the show might be the f- the most I have so far put that into practice. Because I wanted to interview you just because I follow you on Instagram and I just like the stuff you post and the person that I see, at least on Instagram. So I said, would you like to come on the show and talk about something? And you said, yeah, I think I'd like to spend half an hour talking about greyhounds, which I was not expecting. And really, there's no possible way for me to prepare for that. So I have no agenda going into this conversation um, other than, I guess... Let's start by asking, how did you first become the the parent of greyhounds? Sure. So I have two um, retired racing greyhounds. They are they they both have delightful names. One is actually named Lady, uh, and the other is named Dennis, <laughs> which is he's looking at me right now. It's a little bit unusual name for a dog, but it's a great conversation starter as well. Um, and I got Dennis, he's my first Greyhound, in March of 2020, actually the day before we went into lockdown. Uh, and I got Lady about a year later in June of this year, of 2021. Um, and I had been, I've always, I grew up with dogs. Um, I had Collies growing up, so like the Lassie type of dogs. And then when I moved out on my own, I had a little miniature pincher for a very long time, uh, Diesel. (laughs) So I had moved to a different part. I live in Baltimore City. I had moved to a different part of the city. I really was kind of feeling the effects of living alone and just sort of entering a new phase in my life. So I wanted to get another dog. And I wanted a bigger dog just in terms of sort of honestly having like a more intimidating image. (laughs) Uh, I do live alone. I do present as pretty femme. So just sort of walking the streets of the city, I wanted a dog that people would, you know, take a step back from. So I was looking at larger breeds that could still live in an apartment, 
And I kept coming across, and my vet actually recommended Greyhounds. It wasn't a breed that I had any experience with. I have never seen it. I was, you know, aware that Greyhounds existed, but I had never seen a Greyhound race. Um, I don't know if actually many people have seen, like, a live Greyhound race, but really no interaction. I didn't know anybody that had one. I went online. I found an adoption agency. I had a you know, pretty long phone conversation with them, and they told me, yeah, they're great apartment dogs. They're actually, you know, very quiet, very chill, which is both true and false. <laughs> I think you would talk a little bit more about that. But I went down to Calvert County, Maryland, which is Southern Maryland, about two hours from Baltimore City. I met about six or seven dogs. Then I saw Dennis. I said, that's the one that I want. I brought him home. He peed in my car. <laughs> <laughs> and it's sort of been, it's been love ever since. Um, and I am definitely a person who is, I, I would say other people would call it obsession. Um, I, I would say it's a healthy love, uh, you know, for my dogs. They really are. They are my family. You know, they are my, my roommates or my children or whatever you want to say. And I think they're just a really great breed of dogs that really gets overlooked a lot of the time. You know, for various reasons, the greyhound industry, I think, can turn a lot of people off. It is a very, uh, I would call it seedy industry. So they have sort of a weird reputation sometimes. They are very large dogs. So a lot of people are backed off because of the size and think that they need a lot of exercise because they race. But they're actually just amazing dogs. They're very personable. They're characters. I, I compare them to... They're like kind of stretched out cats. So they look like the ghosts of Victorian horses, <laughs> but they have like the soul of a cat. So very um, choosy with the people that they like, very choosy with their interactions. You know, they're a little bit on the mischievous side. They're not necessarily the easiest to do. You know, if you want to do like obedience training, they're not maybe the perfect candidate for that, but they're just really great dogs. And I'm, I'm a greyhound evangelist now. <laughs> So I have one friend with a greyhound, and I had uh, an acquaintance years ago who had one, but my experience with them is very limited. And so my impression of greyhounds is that almost always where you get them from is adoption services that are rescuing former racing dogs. It, do the, is that kind of the majority of where people get greyhounds from? Am I totally wrong on that? Yes. Yeah, so at least um, I can't speak for other countries. I know, you know, in Great Britain, I believe there are greyhound adoption agencies there as well, but... In the United States, um, the vast majority, probably close to 100% of greyhounds that people are adopting into households uh, come straight off the racetrack. So generally, there's only, I think, almost all states have actually banned greyhound racing now. So there's only a couple of states. Dennis is from Florida, which is phasing out greyhound racing. Um, Lady is from West Virginia, which is never phasing out anything. <laughs> <laughs> And so there's, there's a handful of states and the adoption agencies will go to the tracks in these states, pick up a bunch of dogs and, you know, bring them back to a central location in whatever state that agency is operating out of them. But yeah, the, the majority of them are off the track, which is, I, I think the thing that you'll hear about them most commonly, which is both funny and a little bit frustrating is that they don't, they've never encountered stairs. So they, some of them kind of take to it naturally, and some of them, like Lady is pretty good when I got her. Dennis is over 80 pounds and did not know how to go up or downstairs. Wow. And so there's me, you know, and I'm not the biggest person, but 
I, I, me with my 80 pound dog, you know, picking his front feet up, putting them on a set, picking the back feet up, putting them on a set. Um, and he's, he's a little bit too good at it now. He's a little bit too fast now. Um, but yeah, they, they do come, the majority of them come uh, straight off the racetrack. Now, I, f- I feel like you're going to give me an answer that I'm going to say, oh, of course, I should have thought of that myself. But what does them having been racing dogs have to do with not encountering stairs? Surely there must be stairs some places where there are also racetracks. I am really, I mean, I've never been to a Greyhound racetrack, so I cannot speak for you know, the veracity of that is just that they're very, they're like hothouse flowers in a way. They're like orchids. Like they've really never encountered anything outside of racing life. So they only ever interact with other greyhounds. They have a very, very high prey instinct because they chase what's called a lure, which is basically like a stuffed bunny rabbit. Um, They chase that around the track, which is what makes them run. Uh, They're not used to going outside on grass. They're not used to eating certain foods. So it's kind of like hosting like a foreign exchange student who just isn't used to the country at all. And everything is like slightly different. So they're, they're trying their best, but it is, it takes them a little bit to get acclimated to um, living in like a non racetrack household. So I don't, I don't necessarily want to take this to a dark place, but do these greyhounds who come from, well, since they almost always come from racing backgrounds, do greyhounds in general, do they have difficult or abusive or, you know, lives that we wouldn't wish on an animal before they get adopted into regular homes? Sure. So it, it is, it's a lot like thoroughbred racing with horses, um, where, you know, obviously a lot of these horses are treated very well. You know, they have owners that love them, but there is that dark side to it. Um, you know, it is a money-making enterprise. And so the ultimate goal is to make money. It's not to take care of the dogs in the best way, you know, possible for the dogs. So, I, w- I would say the major problem is a lot of them do have joint problems, just overuse, arthritis, that kind of thing, although like break a toe, like that, that kind of thing. Or the other major problem is a lot of them are actually drugged. So I do find this, and I probably shouldn't find this as funny as I do, but a lot of them um, are given cocaine. Oh my and God. so they're like, you know, yeah, they're like little star faces out there on the track, but they're, you know, coked up to the gills to get them to run fast. And then a lot of them, even the female dogs, are given anabolic steroids just to, you know, increase muscle performance. Um, so there can be some health problems that are associated with that. And also just, a, you know, just longer period of adjustment, I think, than it would take another dog to acclimate into uh, like a pet household. So let's go right there. Tell me about bringing Dennis home and, and what it was like and the kinds of things you had to do to get him used to a completely different way of living. As I mentioned before, they are kind of like cats and in, in different ways, their personalities. So Dennis and Lanny have a little bit different of personality, but he was very, very bonded with me like right away. And I think, you know, some of that obviously is due to the lockdown and due to the fact that I live alone, but he's very aloof. So he's not super interested, you know, when, I, when I'm out walking him, he's obviously a very unique looking dog uh, and people want to come over and pet him and he's not aggressive or fearful he's just completely uninterested so I think my my previous dogs that I had had were all like super friendly they wanted to go play with kids you know they wanted to go to the park and play with other dogs and neither of them are really like that you know they're not interested in other people they're not interested in other dogs unless they're very interested in other greyhounds but other dogs and particularly small dogs you know they could take it or leave it so it's just interesting in that way and they are 
needy, I think, in a similar way that cats are. So, like, right now they're both sleeping, but it's because I'm here in the room looking at them. One of my favorite dentist moments, and I think also one of the worst dentist moments, where I was on the phone, you know, important, you know, business office call with the VP of my department, and he came in the room, threw up on my feet, and walked out. <laughs> Uh, that's just sort of like that kind of sums up his entire personality. Like he just like wants to know where I am at all times, but he also kind of wants to do his own thing. Um, they're not, I, I think where I struggled the most actually is they're not, they don't know how to play. So I would, you know, get like a stuffed toy for him and he'd be very interested in, cause again, they chase after that stuffed toy on the track, but I would throw it and he would go over to it and then he'd just be like, okay, this is mine now. And he would lie down and start chewing it. And I was like, no, could we like interact? Like, could we have, you know, a moment here? So I felt like kind of, uh, I, I felt bad. I felt like he was rejecting me in the same way, you know, that like, I was like, oh, he doesn't like me. And then the adoption agency was like, no, they really just don't know how to play. It's so interesting because that, that combination of, neediness and disdain if that's the right word it does i mean that is extremely cat-like behavior yeah. uh it, yeah it just it, it, you know as you describe dennis i think so much i've had both cats and dogs over the years and as i think about many of the cats that i've owned those actions sound just so much like my experience with my cats who are when i need them they can't be bothered but when they need me i need to mm-hmm. drop everything i'm doing yep. and totally readjust my life Oh, yeah. Their, their favorite thing to do for both of them is, let's say, like, you know, I'm getting ready to leave for work. Um, and I work at a hospital, so it's, you know, a little bit of a process. And they'll be quiet the entire time that I'm getting ready. As soon as I put my hands on that, like, front door, they want to go out or they want to play or they want to hang out. I'm like, no, like, you had two hours. <laughs> so, yeah, they're very, very cat-like. Um, I think more so than most dogs. And they're, they're kind of all like that. Like, as a, it's kind of like just a breed thing rather than I think you know some individuals of other dog breeds are you know probably like that but every greyhound that I've encountered um, and obviously you know met a lot more now they're all like that so tell me about the thought behind getting lady was that a companionship idea what for for Dennis in other words tell me about bringing a second dog into the house yeah, so I want to say that it, like, it sounds really nice if I say that it was companionship for Dennis, but really I was like collecting them like pet <laughs> dispensers. <laughs> like, wow, this is a cool dog. I want another one. <laughs> uh, and I want another like weird prehistoric pterodactyl monster. Um, yeah, so it, it is interesting though. So I, I, I wanted them to get along. I brought Dennis with me um, when I went to I went back to the same agency and met some more dogs, and I brought Dennis with me to make sure that they weren't going to fight or anything like that. Um, but yeah, I just really liked them, and I thought, you know, I have I'm still living alone. I have um, you know time by myself. It'd be nice to have even more chaos added into the mix, <laughs> and it has been nice. So. You know, I, I didn't, I wanted them to get along, but it didn't actually get them to, you know, be companions to each other, but they really are. Um, and I think having Lady has really brought out, um, like, the goofier aspects of Dennis's personality. So he's just very, like, his baseline state is just sort of agitation at all times. <laughs> and I think having her around, because she's much, like, wilder than him in a lot of ways, I, I think it kind of, it, it does chill him out a little bit you know, a fraction, but it's enough to notice the difference. Do greyhounds have any different behaviors than, 
you know, maybe more common breeds of dogs in terms of how they bond with one another or whether they'll bond with one another? They really don't. I don't see them, like, physically play as much as other dogs. So they'll, like, tug toys back and forth, but they don't, like, wrestle or anything like that. I think they kind of see themselves as being, like, above that. (laughs) The interesting thing that I've noticed, they don't bark. I mean, they can bark, and I've, I've heard both of them bark, but they do more... I don't know if you're familiar, there's a dog breed called the Senji, which is like a sort of like African, smaller terrier type dog. Okay. But they also don't bark and they do with yodeling, which is exactly as you imagine it. Uh, but it is exactly as annoying as you imagine it. <laughs> and the, the greyhounds are kind of similar in that they do a lot of like, kind of like cats again, a lot of yowling, screaming, whining, crying, but really not. I mean, I've, I can count the times that I've heard Dennis actually make like a dog barking noise on one hand. You know, you said that Dennis weighs 80 pounds, and so that means you have somewhere around 150 or 160 pounds of dogs, and you also said you live in an apartment. And when I think of greyhounds, because I don't have very much familiarity with them, you know, I I think of dogs that spend all their time sprinting. And you've already mentioned that that's not the case around your house. Uh, I'm curious if that's like behavior they kind of settle into once they're in a home, or if it's just that's just not their normal state anyway. And they're kind of made to do that in the course of racing lives. Yeah. I I think they're kind of like human sprinters in the way that they are very, very fast for, you know, about a minute at a time. And then outside of that, they're not doing much. I mean, I, you know, I know human sprinters have very detailed training plans. I don't want to insult any human sprinters. Um, (laughs) Yes. Please send your comments to Haley. uh, Yes. (laughs) U.S. Olympic Committee, take me on. Um, but they, they're not built to, you know, for endurance or for, like, they're not working dogs. So it's not something like a retriever or like, you know, an Australian cattle dog where they're sort of built to always be on. They're built to be on for that short period of time that they're racing after that, you know, high value prey item, that lure. Um, and then otherwise, they're not really doing much. So like right now, they're both asleep. Yeah, I sometimes think about um I you know, I don't live in a city now, but I have on many occasions and I I have seen a lot of working dogs that people have as apartment pets in cities and I, I for you know, I maybe there are things I don't understand about that, but it always seemed to me like kind of a poor choice of a dog whose natural inclination is to kind of constantly be on the go and having a purpose to, you know, 8 hours a day be lying on your living room floor. So it sounds like that's not the case for for greyhounds. I think it also, I mean, obviously everything is individual with dogs and with people, but it also has to do with lifestyles. And, you know, I'm an active person in terms of, like, I like to walk, but, like, given my earlier slow run sprinters, I'm not running. <laughs> so, you know, there are people I know who have, like, for, you know, a husky or something like that where they're running, you know, four or five miles a day with that dog, so that dog is getting the exercise it needs. But I knew that wouldn't be a good match for me, so I was looking for something that, you know, the activity level would be a little bit more my speed. Is there a good community of greyhound owners, like lots of resources and chances to meet others and that kind of thing? Yeah, they're very, um, I think because a lot of them are, you know, coming off the track and there's a lot of need. So, you know, I think in the last year alone, something like 4,000 dogs came just from Florida alone. Wow. So, because, you know, they're constantly breeding. Yes, they have huge litters. They're breeding them all the time because, you know, they're making money. And so there is a pretty big community of greyhound owners, like on Facebook, through the adoption agency. So like 
we have the adoption agency has like a social every year. Everybody brings their dogs. They, you know, run around. Calvert County is like really pretty. You know, it's a lot of open space right by the water. So they're all sort of, you know, gambling in the fields, very picturesque. <laughs> you know, like when I go away, when I travel, they stay with somebody from the agency. So I'm able to have somebody who like knows about greyhounds taking care of them because they are, again, like cats, they're very finicky with their routines being disrupted. So, you know, having somebody that is familiar with that just gives me a little bit more peace of mind. If folks listen to this and they think, oh, Greyhound sounds pretty awesome, are there bits of advice, either, you know, pro or con, uh, or in terms of doing research or anything that you might give to someone who was thinking about adopting a Greyhound? Yeah, I would say, so there are, there's only two I think major situations where I would say you would have to get the right greyhound or you might want to look at another breed. Like I mentioned before, they are generally very, very high prey drive, um, particularly with small animals. And so it's interesting, actually, because Dennis is really not. He could care less about you know, rabbits, squirrels, anything. Lady has the highest prey drive of any dog that I've ever seen. Um, the <laughs> The first time that I walked her outside of my building, I had just gotten her, just got out of the car, walking her around. She caught a bird on the leash. Oh, my gosh. Um, so they're very, they're the, yeah, they're incredibly fast. And they will, like if they, a lot of the time you'll, you'll hear this with cats, they will kill cats if they catch them. So there are some that are good with cats, but it's a very individual thing. So I would just be aware of that. And then if you have like very small children, like toddlers, they're not aggressive towards children, at least that I've seen, but they are, you know, they're very sensitive. So, you know, they might not want to deal with loud noises or like being grabbed at like, you know, kids can do. But, you know, I don't have children, so I can't really speak because I don't get it it's all individual. But that was, those would be, I think, the main things that I would keep in mind. And then in terms of health issues, you, you've touched on this a little bit, but are there greyhound specific health issues that people should be on the lookout for? Yeah, the, the joint ones are a major consideration. And then for some reason, they, they usually have like pretty sensitive stomachs. You have to kind of play around and find the right food for them. I mean, my meat Purina. It's not like they eat like a specialty food, but I just had to find kind of the right blend. And then for whatever reason, I don't know if it's, you know, breeding or inbreeding or whatever, they, they tend to have really bad teeth and they tend to get ear infections. So those are just, you know, things that I would look out for. With dogs, I think the, the teeth process can be a little bit expensive you know if you're taking them to the vet to get their teeth clean because they have to you know usually anesthetize them so that is definitely like a, a financial consideration to take in mind you know when you're making that obligation to get a dog so are there any perception issues around greyhounds I mean, as far as the public is concerned yeah so i think the major perception of them that is incorrect is that uh, like you were saying earlier the thought is that oh, they're such high-energy dogs, you know, because they sprint, they're sprinting around all the time, they need a ton of exercise, you know, they can't keep up with that. That is definitely not true. People often often actually post on, you know, Greyhound forums or on Facebook about their frustration that they wanted a dog that they could run with, you know, for just for safety or for fun or exercise or whatever. And Greyhounds are not, they'll get, you know, maybe five minutes in and they will lie down on the pavement. Um, <laughs> So they're, they're very, they're, they're much better apartment dogs. If you can get them around dealing with the stairs, they're much better apartment dogs, I think, than they're given credit for. So I think there's, there's a much wider audience that should be able to appreciate greyhounds. But I think a lot of people have the perception that, oh, they're these big dogs that need a ton of exercise and they couldn't handle a big dog. And that they're really not like that at all. They're really just, they're, I mean, they're, they're wonderful. <laughs> 
but yeah, I, I think if you're sort of aware of the breed history and of the pre, uh, the prey motivation and everything, they're they're really wonderful, and I, I think they they fit in a lot of you know different households. I know a lot of different situations at the adoption agencies for those people that are couples or people that have other breeds of dogs too, and yeah, they they just fit in a lot of varied situations, and they're really great. Well, I'm convinced. I I live in a minivan, so I'm not sure an 80 pound dog is my number one <laughs> solution for a yeah, companion. That but uh, they sound really awesome. Uh, I've been talking with Haley Deutsch about greyhounds and their wonderfulness. Haley, it's been so fun to talk to you about this, and I know a lot more now than I did when we started. So I'm I'm really appreciative of that. Thanks for coming on the show. Perfect. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of A Brief Chat. You can support the show at patreon.com slash vanarchism. You'll get early access to every episode, a monthly bonus show, plus travel essays and photos and videos from my Vanarchism project, which chronicles my van travels across the U.S. Thank you, and I'll talk to you again next week. Beep.